What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Thursday, September 19th, 2019. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside... Oh, God, I haven't given you a name yet. Do I need a name? We, I always do the thing, like, you know, like uh, Rogue One, Busy's Lady in the Business, Imran Khan. I wasn't prepared for this, because I this mm. is you pointed out, this is like our first time hosting since we announced you. Right. <laughs> so that's weird. Shit, fuck. Mm. We have, maybe we crowdsource that. Maybe somebody can, like... Sure. They, they've been doing a pretty decent job of like, okay, the the Fran stuff was good. I've enjoyed the coupling. Yeah, yeah. of coupling you with everybody and trying to figure out what your, your couple name is. I feel like the Gary Witta stuff hit some roadblocks because people were like, it's hard to get that hard T sound with yeah. my name. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, yeah, maybe we'll see what they Greg Ron. That's, that's us. That's yeah, us. Greg Ron. Yeah, I, need, I need an introduction name for you. Fuck. It's been a long time since I had to add an introduction name to anybody. You know what I mean, Barrett? I can yeah. steal someone else's. No, I'm not going to. What business lady in the business? I'm not going <laughs> to give that to you. Please, there has to be honor among thieves. How are you, Imran? I'm doing good. How about you? Good. You went with the sunbathing the, Waluigi t shirt. I didn't necessarily go with it. The people demanded if it. If you're not following Imran on Twitter, you're missing out today. He did uh, crowdsource his wardrobe for today's Games Daily and, of course, the Gamescast. We'll be recording patreon.com slash kind of funny games later. Much to Bear's chagrin, the My Hero Academia shirt lost. It's a good My Hero Academia shirt. I was legitimately torn between the two. Mm, oh, but man. I bought this specifically to wear on Kind of Funny. Because nice. I feel like people need to see Waluigi sunbathing. Sure. Yeah. I like it. So I was not shocked that it won the poll. Of course not. Yeah. Just a big, bigger reach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We ain't got time for this anime stuff over here. We got too many video games to talk about. What to talk about, you might ask? Well, PlayStation's got a state of play. The Link's Awakening reviews are here. And more will be covered today because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show. Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Yes, that's where you can watch the Gamescast live today, ad-free with a big old pre and post show. Uh, if you are watching live, however, right now, Kind of Funny Games Daily, you have a special job. Go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight. For everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, and listening on podcast services around the globe. Housekeeping for you today. There's a new party mode up, or it should be. I didn't check. That's it. Is. It is? It's out? It's up. It's Thursday, so it's out on yeah, YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. It's me and Andy in Borderlands 3 doing the Proving Grounds. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producers, Patreon.com slash Games, Blackjack, and Mohammed Mohammed. Today we're brought to you by the Kind of Funny Inner Website Championship from PAX West 2019, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news! I deleted the top thing. I think it's five. <laughs> you ever do that, Barry? You ever delete the wrong thing? Yeah. Five. Five items on the Roper Report. Let's get the fucking Last of Us release data, Baker's Dozen! That's right, everybody. Number one, there is a PlayStation State of Play right around the corner next week. Sid Schumann's telling us all about it over on the PlayStation blog. Hi, all. Excited to share the first details on PlayStation's next State of Play, which will air Tuesday, September 24th at 1 p.m. Pacific time, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern time. We're preparing a hefty, a pretty hefty show, weighing in at around 20 minutes and sporting a fresh new look. And we'll have some great news to share with you, including new game reveals, new content from PlayStation's Worldwide Studios, and a host of other updates. Should be fun. Oh, and it probably bears mentioning, don't expect any updates related to our next-gen plans in this episode. They put up a video, uh, this is the blog, obviously, where Sid wrote about it. Then there was a Twitter video of all these different people running. It kind of looked like that kid's game uh-huh. that got released. Yeah. And all people. However, IGN's Adam Bankhurst, with a monocle on twice in an emoji, tweeted this. I know they mentioned 
There are no talks about next-gen plans, but it's pretty interesting that at the end of the video, it shows five stragglers getting in line. Uh, Put on your tinfoil hat, Iran! <laughs> We're doing it! PlayStation 5 reveal next Tuesday! Aliens are real! From a business perspective, it makes zero sense. They, they would wait. <laughs> they would absolutely not show anything off right here. Sure, sure, but from a fun From a fun perspective, absolutely. I would say they might show off games that are going to be on the PS5. Yeah, okay, like, fair. Games that won't exist Definitely things that will get pushed there. over there and do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think they're going to show it. Like, they're not going to tip their hand that easily. Uh, I, they, I suspect they might. If, they, if they're going to have a PSX this year, this would be where they announce it. Oh, okay. Do you think they're going to? I doubt it. I yeah, would I assume by this so point, no one's told me about it, and they'd need a venue, and I don't think they've gotten one yet. Right. Uh, they've done it later, later than this in the game, announced when the hell they're actually they actually doing have, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, all, but it's also always been a failure when they do. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> PSX a failure, what are you talking about? There's a reason they stopped doing it. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, they just wanted, you know, not to, don't worry about why they stopped doing it. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I suspect that this... This is going to be, hey, Medieval needs more marketing. Okay. Death Stranding needs more marketing. This is a smart way to do it. Okay. But beyond that, I don't think they're going to see any new consoles. Well, stuff. you bring in a question here. Uh, Peter Petroff, Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games, writes in and says, Hello, Kind of Funny Games Daily. Which state of play are we going to get? Are we going to get the kind of state of play we saw with the first one, where they focused on VR and smaller games, or like the second state of play that showed us the Final Fantasy VII remake footage? Uh, I just want to be able to set expectations so I don't go in thinking Last of Us 2 dates and come out with a bunch of indie games. When is the media event for Last ding, of Us Ding, 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 ding. I won't be there live reacting <laughs> to this PlayStation state of play because I will be in L.A. doing the Last of Us media presentation. Okay, so it's, it's at the, the exact same, same time. If, if it's on the same goddamn day, yeah, the assumption would be that this is going to show you something Last of Us related. I I need to Google something because I don't remember, but do you remember offhand when The Last of Us, like, the date was for the... It was uh, sometime in uh, summer, wasn't it? The when outbreak date. The question. Oh, when outbreak date? Well, yeah, yeah we, pa- we we passed out. Okay, we already... Br- okay, so that would, I assume, be a logical day. But if it's not, then yeah, for sure, it'll be The Last of Us 2 date. You think it'll be the date? Here's, here's where or it gets I, interesting. I, I'm mm-hmm. looking at my email about it, right? And this mm-hmm. is my confirmation. Last of Us Part 2 media event. And as you know, everything is always embargoed and weird. And who, know, who knows what's anybody saying, right? Right. So as I'm reading through here, there's my embargo I see. It says, it's okay to say you are attending the event and to share the invite graphic on social media should you desire. It's nice they said that because two weeks ago, Jeff Keighley did it. And it was like, can I do that? I'm glad to know two weeks later I'm allowed to. Um, so I don't, it doesn't say anything about me confirming or denying any of the embargo. I can tell you the embargo. I'm seeing stuff there, as we know, because it's the media invite. And I am not talking about it on Tuesday. Okay. Which is where it gets interesting. So we're at this media event seeing The Last of Us. There's a state of play going. Uh, from, uh, there's two different sessions. I'm, right bef- I'm, I'm in a session that's right after state of play. Mm-hmm. And there's a session way before state of play. So State of Play comes out and does 20 minutes. They're announcing new games, giving you updates, Sid says, right? So you figure they're doing something with The Last of Us. And so then is it going to be the re- it's going to be is going to be a trailer with then the release date followed by look for impressions from media people in That's what I would the assume. future. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would make the most sense from a marketing perspective to like bring people there and to also have a State of Play at the exact same time. And not have a date feels like a very, like they know the optics of that are bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if they just, like, even just a trailer and saying, like, we'll talk about it more later and then impressions might be enough. Yeah. But I suspect it would be trailer, date, then there will be impressions in a impressions. future, like, give people time to write them. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. 
Yeah, I definitely think you're getting it. I'm, and then it's there's still the coin flip of is it just a new trailer for Last of Us to get you to put it back on your radar and surprise you about it, and then whatever when the embargo for the event lifts, it's hey, I played it, and hey, also here's the release date. I would assume so. Here's my. Well, no, no, you you can't assume that because you, you, you that would do both. I'm asking, are you oh. doing one beat that's release date, then days or months or weeks later? Because I don't know if I can say the embargo. You're doing the impressions, or are you doing release date impressions on top of each other in one thing? I would say release date first, and then impressions later. Yeah, I do too. Because like you want to get that hype for the the trailer and then the release date, and say like, hey, if you're buying a PS4 this Christmas, yep, you, this is what you're looking forward exactly. to. Exactly. I know there's next gen next next year, but go ahead and buy consoles still this year. Yeah. I I kind of don't want to see another Last of Us trailer. Sure. I think I'm done watching footage of that game. Like, I was at that point with Death Stranding a couple of months ago, too. Of I know I'm buying it. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't need them to show me more things I'm going to see in the game later. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing about Last of Us Part Two, right? Where we've seen, I feel, a lot of trailers, right? Yeah. But I don't feel like, obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, we've seen a lot of gameplay. That we've E3 seen, demo was the only one. Exactly. We've seen Ellie, you know, creeping and doing her thing out mm-hmm. there. But I'm very interested to see what I actually see next week and then what that actually pertains to the game. Because I remember... Going down and doing the Last of Us Part One uh, 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 release. No, no, sorry, I got distracted by a phone call. Uh, <laughs> La- Last of Us Part One. He knows I'm on right now. Why would he call? You know what I mean? He knows it's live. Yeah, uh, that's why but, I wear the watch here so I don't get bothered by it. Yeah, smart. Last of Us. I was th- expecting text messages. Mm-hmm. It's Roger, everybody. Roger Pocorny over there. Uh, he's editing <laughs> something very important idiot. for us. He's <laughs> what an idiot! Of- like calling you during games daily. How dare he? How dare he? How you know what dare I mean? he? And he's working on stuff for us. So I, anyway. Uh, <laughs> When I went down and did Last of Us original, hey, here's the first time to play it thing, I remember coming back being like, so, whoa, I didn't know, that was so unexpected. Right. I didn't, ex- you know, that level of violence, that other stuff to this front. Tim, call Roger. He just called me on this show. He knows we're doing this show. Uh-uh. Oh, my God. Oh, no, I know this. If you didn't see, I already tweeted about this fucking breaking news. You kidding me? If you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, God is real. Tom Welling is finally officially in the Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, <laughs> CW event coming this fall. I can't wait to see. Did they get Lex? Did Michael Rosenbaum get off his deadbeat ass and also join up? We'll find out together. If there's a Michael Rosenbaum scene, he should have a scene with the Flash. Yeah, 100%. I've, so I've been watching the like I've watched it every season comes up on Netflix. I just want to let you know how down I am with us deviating to Flash CW yeah. talk right now. <laughs> I, that's a, that show is a weird addiction because I think I hate it, but I keep watching it. Every time it comes back what up. What season are you on? Uh, whatever the latest one is okay. that came up. Like his Dude, daughter. Dude, Flash yeah. season one was so good. Yes. Flash and when it ended, was I was like, here we go. And sure enough, then <laughs> I kept watching and I was like, I love the characters, but it's just like I had to stop at some point. The problem like, is I, every fucking season is the exact same thing. So there's another speedster here and we got to fucking stop him and he's Barry fucks up the timeline. Great. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, and like we've got a mentor here and they're good, but yeah. then nah, yeah. now they're bad. I digress. When I, I, was, when I came back from that Last of Us uh, part one uh, demo way mm-hmm. back in the day, and like, this is a, one of the old school PlayStation ones where they they wouldn't give us B-roll, so we did an IGN <laughs> PlayStation conversation where I reenacted it, getting stabbed in the throat, and nice. all this different shit. I remember, man, the brutality was so ex- different and exciting. All this, it was such a different game. I'm excited to see what this game actually is. What the right. Last of Us Part Two is? Is it just the evolution of that? Is it just Ellie doing everything, or is it? Or are we going to know what's going on with Joel in this? Like, how much story will I have? How much context will I have? I think people will be satisfied if it's just The Last of Us again with a new story. Yeah, I would like them to do more with it. Yeah, of course. Just, like. Like, we're going to talk about it later, but Borderlands has kind of that same issue of it's been so long since the last game, I wish they had done more with the sure. sequel. Yeah. The Last of Us, like, there have been a number of games that have not had that same number, same amount of production value, but have done more interesting things with stealth and zombies and action. And yeah. even, like, brutality has been 
put a different lens in the last seven years. Yeah. What are they going to do that's different? And like, do they want to do anything different? Do they just want to make another Last of Us? Which is fine. Yeah. I'll play that game. That game will sell 17 million copies. Yeah. It's just, I'm, I'm curious what their ambition is for this game. And I'm hoping that this media impressions thing is going to tell me. Yeah, me too. You'll find out. Well, I mean, eventually you'll find out. <laughs> Tuesday's the thing. I, you don't have to wait long. All right? You don't have to wait long. I will say that I had heard about the state of play a couple of weeks ago. Here we go. Which means that I don't know specifically what's in it, but usually when I hear about a state of play early, that means it's something significant. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> People are getting ready. Yeah. Uh, medieval, though. Mm-hmm. Where are you coming on that? you excited about that at all? Not really. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll play it if I get it, but if it's coming out so soon around Luigi's Mansion that I'm just going to be mm. like, those are... Two very stylistically similar games. Sure. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to play the two, I'm just going to play the newer game that this well, series I like. I've played, you know, uh, I, I have this bad luck where I can't play Luigi's Mansion. Every time I book a demo for a trade <laughs> show, something happens and I don't get there. Yeah. Uh, but I played Medieval. Mm-hmm. And not being a fan of Medieval back in the day, like I played it at Kmart demos and I was like, cool, whatever. Uh, having played this one, I was like, oh, this is actually cooler than I thought it would be. It, it seems like it's going to fit that spooky realm, like for an October game that yeah. I want. But it also seems like it's... Like, we're trying to be a PS1 game, right? Like, there's no checkpoints in bosses. If you die, you go to bed. And it's like, I feel like that's going to be harder and tug at a different nostalgia than Luigi's Mansion will. Right. Where Luigi's Mansion will be like, suck up the ghost. Get some coins. If it didn't work, no big deal. Yeah, PS1 nostalgia is at an all-time high, so I wouldn't be shocked if, like, it does super well. Yeah. But I per- like I have no... I will be shocked if it yeah. does super well. I think <laughs> I, it's going to do okay. I mean, the Crash Remaster was Activision's best-selling game for a I while. I know, but, <laughs> like, okay, but uh, Medieval is not yeah. Crash. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. It's like, I had... I. Honestly, I'm blanking the character's name. Oh, Sir Daniel Fortescue. Yeah. yeah. I have I no... Only, and which I only really know because <laughs> of PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. I have no attachment to the character. I didn't... I don't remember him until people, like, mentioned, like, oh, yeah, there's a medieval character that's also a part of PlayStation history. Like, give me a new Ape Escape. That's yeah. the PS1 nostalgia I want. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I think, uh, I, I think uh, medieval will do, like, really well in the UK for, like, a month. Yeah, and that—that's that's the kind of game like that, and it's a budget game, so it should do fine that way. Yeah, but it's coming out at a weird time. It feels like Sony's kind of not super behind it in terms of like marketing muscle. Like I've heard, obviously, Death Stranding is a much bigger project. Yeah, but I feel like I've heard more about Death Stranding in the last two weeks than I've heard about Medieval ever. Yeah, no, oh, that's a hundred percent fair. But I, yeah, they put way more investment probably into yeah. You know the Kojima deal that they did in the medieval. Get Kojima to remake PS One. I think the, the hope for medieval right would be basically what I came away from that event that I went and played it at, where I went in with like literally it was like, do you want to come play Predator? I'm like, fuck yeah, you can also play medieval. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and I played medieval like, oh, you know, this is fun. Like I, I can yeah. see myself playing this in October if I'm not still addicted to Borderlands, buried in Link, doing all these other things, getting ready for you know Death Stranding. Medieval is the kind of game that would be a great argument for like a PlayStation Game Pass. Yep, 100%. That's like, a great point. If that game were there and I was like, all right, yeah, sure, I'll try this. Yeah. But like, if you tell me you're gonna Medieval's coming out and you're going to buy it, I'm going to be like, if that would be like if somebody told me Blasto is being remade. I'd be like, okay, that's cool. Blasto right. was neat. Fair. Uh, nanobiologist in uh, kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong points out that Outbreak Day is September 26th. The day the okay, so yeah, that's true. Mass. And he points out the Twitch chat is saying Imran is the former informer. Okay, I'm down with that. You're down with that? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if we wanted to be. You want to be attached to that? All right, that that, like that, that might take some time. Like after like a year, maybe we want to dip that name. Sure. But yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Trust me. Time, once you, once yeah. you get the name, once it never goes away. Um, and then nanobiologist also says to add to this debate, medieval is priced at thirty, while Luigi's Mansion is sixty. That lower price point might hit, help people get in. Yeah, it's just a question of are people looking for a game. On PS4 that day, like, 
Or are they just going to wait a couple of weeks for Death Stranding? Yeah. Like, I don't think it's, it's that a- usual thing where video games and seasonal events don't usually do that. When I shouldn't say that. That's a, that's a broad statement. Seasonal games, titles, right? Like Costume Quest, right? Yeah. I feel like Tim Schafer used to always joke about, like, that's really hard to do to make a game that's, like, around a holiday, right? So I feel that there's something going on this October where it's like you're getting Ghostbusters and you're getting uh, Medieval and you're getting Luigi's Mansion. And it's these games that aren't Halloween games but are spooky games. And I... I've always I want us to have that like the, how movies have the thirty one days of horror yeah. right like I want that in gaming. Hopefully, maybe that happens. But. I want the the old days of like when everyone was still experimenting with DLC, so they made like the Halloween DLC for a thing. Yeah, like the infamous Blood Festival. Yeah, 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 yeah. Festival of Blood. Yeah, and want stuff like that. Yeah, and I, maybe that's what Rockstar is doing. Who knows? We're gonna talk about that a little okay. bit later. All right, don't worry about it. <laughs> I think it was a reader mail question. Uh, we'll get to it eventually. Sure. <gasps> huh? Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Number two. The Link's Awakening reviews are in right now, and I should say as of 9.43 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, the Metacritic is at 88. I pulled three reviews for you. U.S. Gamer gave it a 5 out of 5. Uh, Nadia Oxford wrote, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening remake for the Switch improves most of the flaws from the original game while maintaining or enhancing everything that makes Link's Game Boy Adventure a classic. Its shiny new coat of paint suits it well, even if slowdown issues pop up from time to time. A few hours of play is all it takes to remind you why Zelda fans love Link, Link's Awakening so much. Over at IGN, I got a 9.4 out of 10. Joe Scrabbles, a clearly made-up name, <laughs> says, My most succinct rep- recommendation for the 2019 remake of The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening would be this. A couple of weeks ago, having finished the original, I was actively hoping that this wouldn't be a shot-for-shot remake. Entire decades after the fact, the dungeons felt a little underthought, the controls a bit archaic. Even slowly making your way through the overworld by way of a set of clues rather than the kind of self-directed navigation we were allowed in a link between worlds felt old-fashioned. And yet, as I potter once again across Koholint, uh, digging up its last remaining secrets to avoid turning it off again, I'm delighted to have been wrong. Link's Awakening retains the style and feel of its 1993 self, but looks and controls like a game, albeit a retro-styled one, made in 2019. In doing so, this feels like it was made in some alternate present, where games remained in 2D, puzzle-focused, and strange, but tech improved to support it all. You could, I guess, call it time travel. And then Press Start gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, Shannon Grixty says, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening is another must-play Nintendo Switch game. It still stands the test of time and in no way feels outdated, which is impressive for a 20-year-old game. Don't let performance issues and a high price point stop you from playing this absolute classic. I'm extremely excited for this game. Me too. Did you play it before? Uh, you mean original? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I believe I played it on when it came out on the Game Boy. And yeah. I, or no, I played the DX version. Ah, the Game Boy Color. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, as, as a Sega kid, even though I had a Game Boy, I never played it. Mm-hmm. So like, and, that, and I didn't fall in love with Zelda until Ocarina of Time. Yeah. So I'm stoked to get this and have it go back with more modern, not modern sensibilities, but you know what I mean, a modern take on a classic game. Yeah, I very specifically remember like the Nintendo Power that came in with Link's Awakening. It was like, I want to say their 100th issue or something like that, that had like a gold cover. I remember being like seven years old and being super excited, like, oh man, this is, it's an actual Zelda game, which up until that point, I was, I was kind of iffy about yeah. in general, because I I not played Link's of the Past, and I, only two Zelda games I played before that were one and two, which are hard for a child to play. Sure, of course. But I was like, oh, this is a Zelda game I can carry with me. And even then, I was like, oh, it's on a handheld. That means I can actually get this game done. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I didn't end up playing it for another couple of years. <laughs> but, like, 
I think I played it around the time Majora's Mask came out. I remember seeing a lot of similarities between the two games. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, just because like they're super weird games and they're very based on the characters within it. Yeah. And they're they're very they're both existential. They're both like kind of built off of a like a creature or person's idea of what the world is and right. stuff. There's a lot of similar themes there. I'm I'm, I'm really excited. I've never played this one, but like I know like being a Zelda fan like I know a lot about the story and whatnot so I'm excited to like finally get into it yeah yeah it's I'm fucking uh we yeah. have a couple questions about it uh Tzerky writes in I might have mispronounced that sorry uh to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says hey Imran and Greg uh, Greg Ron Imreg, uh, with the Link's Awakening remake reviews out now and looking pretty solid, even with the graphical overhaul and a new dungeon builder mode, do you think this game should be sold at a full $60? I'm struggling to justify the price tag myself because I can't see a game that's a one-for-one remake of a Game Boy game holding a whole $60 worth of content, which... Uh, this is entirely up to personal values, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on the situation and Nintendo's strange price choices for their titles overall. Thanks, and have a stellar Thursday. Sixty bucks is the minimum for games on. Like it's, they would raise the price for most games if they could. Yeah. The le- well, okay, so when we think of sixty-dollar games, we think of like how much content does it have, how much production value does it have. So like we think of, oh, The Last of Us Two is going to be a sixty-dollar game. Yeah. Because they're spending millions and millions and millions of dollars making it. But if we were to Price games proportionally, The Last of Us would actually be like a ninety dollar game, mm, mm, and mm. so it's hard to say like, "Oh, is this worth full price?" It's like, no, this is worth the the amount they can charge. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What's it worth to you? Yeah. So, I think in terms of production value, sixty dollars is absolutely like they'll make their or they need to make their money back, so they're gonna hide charge it the most they can. But Nintendo is kind of weird that way. Yeah, they rarely ever reduce prices on games. They don't reduce prices because there was like a, a lot of things saying like if you reduce prices, people will just wait. Yep. Which is true because I do that for pretty much every non-Nintendo I, game. I was going to say, welcome to how many people sit there and like, I'm not going to buy this game. It'll be on PlayStation Plus. It'll be on Game Pass. It'll be a sale. Yeah, like I missed the first week of Ruby City Girls. So I'm like, it's just going to go on sale at some point. I've already missed the Zeitgeist. So I yeah, might as well yeah, wait. Yeah. Which is like probably not great for the developers, but that's... I'm out there scrounging pennies, so whatever. <laughs> but Nintendo does have that thing of for ports and remakes, they price them at sixty bucks because they more than any other company see more value in their back catalog than mm, like let's say Sony does for their remakes. Which Clearly. is not to say Sony's wrong or Nintendo's wrong or whichever. It's just they think that a Link's Awakening remake being completely rebuilt from ground up is a sixty dollar game. The one time I really do take exception to that was Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Okay. Fantastic fucking game. One of the best 2D platformers of all time. Yeah. They, the Wii U version was 50 bucks because, like, 2D platformer, I guess they didn't think they would sell it. But the Switch version was 60. Yeah. So a port cost $10 more. more. Hey, like, hey, there was the new funky mode. There was a new we funky had, we, mode. Yeah, we get, who do we have? We, we Funky Kong, right? Yeah, yeah Funky added, Kong yeah. made the game way easier because <laughs> that game is hard as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it is hard as fuck. But it is, it's a weird thing they specifically do. I would say if you don't like it, then don't buy the games. This is the logical answer. Yeah. But personally, yeah. not having ever played Link's Awakening, seeing the art style and what's gone into it, I have no problem. And granted, I, well, I don't even know, actually. Tim got our code. I don't know if I'll, I'll buy it tomorrow or if mm-hmm. I'll get a code. But I have no problem giving them $6 for it. Because even though you're, t- I mean, and again, I haven't played it, and I don't know if uh, Tuzerki has here. Uh, I'm not sure how much content was in the Game Boy. I'm not sure how long that game originally was or whatever. But I look at it and I'm like, this is, I think, worth $60. I can see what they've done here. I can see the TLC that's gone into this. Right. Like, I, I think a Zelda is worth 60 bucks. There's but also the, you, yeah. you bring up such a great point of 
Sony does not think a medieval on a PlayStation 4 is yeah. worth 60 bucks. Or even Shadow of the Colossus, which is one of the most critically acclaimed games of all time, was yeah. not a full price title on PS4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, that's just the way they two, the both of them roll. It's, it's something yeah. interesting about nostalgia, right? And yeah. how, what Nintendo values, put, puts what value Nintendo puts on nostalgia versus what value PlayStation puts on. Yeah, and again, like, just because a game isn't, like, the design work is done doesn't mean it didn't cost a ton to make. Exactly. It's not like that, yeah, oh, good, we know we know exactly what the stories are and the layouts should be. This will be something we can turn out in a weekend. No, it took yeah. them for a long time. Like, Resident Evil 2 is not a cheaper than 60 bucks game because Resident Evil 2 on PS1 existed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, they have Leon as a character, but they still redid that entire game. Mm. It, I, I say there was that voucher program. If you have a voucher, this might be it saves you ten bucks on this thing. Yeah, we've all been earning our coins, right? Yeah, I don't know which Nintendo <laughs> yeah. coins. Oh, dude, it's so either. nice when you like finally redeem like your coins, and you're like, ah, this fifteen games or this fifteen dollar game, I'm paying one dollar. Wow. The, the best yeah. feeling is when you're like, oh, I heard about this super cool eShop game. I should go look at it. It turns out you have just enough coins to like make it like two cents. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, this fucking rocks. <laughs> uh, Bliss wrote in to patreon.com slash games and says, with the reviews coming out for Link's Awakening, I looked up Brian Altano's opinion on the game because I know he has a deep love for the game. However, it got me thinking. Do you think there is a point where you can love a game or a franchise so much that it can no long- you can no longer be objective about it? Or are you the best person to give an opinion about because you will be its biggest critic? Are there games you, in retrospect, feel you scored too high because you loved the series? Love everything you all do. Thanks. I don't think... I kind of reject the premise of the question. Ooh! Like, I think... I don't... If I'm looking for Brian Altano's position, or his opinion on Link's Awakening, I'm looking at it from the perspective of a Zelda fan. I'm searching that out specifically because I don't... I don't necessarily need an objective review of Link's Awakening. IGN's got something on the sure. published for that. Joe Scrabble's made a person. Yeah. Could be Brian on, writing under that name. That Nobody absolutely knows makes what complete that, sense. that pen name is. But or like, he's a real person from the UK. That, I, that, no, I've, that, that I've met several times. Okay, I met a guy once in Vegas, too, said he was Joe Scrabble's. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've dreamt to get a guy named Joe Scrabble's. Like, there you go. Yeah, surely it's different. But I think the, the great benefit of the internet yeah. is that... We can have game reviews and opinions and all that from everybody, from yep. every walk of life, from every experience point. So if I'm looking for, okay, so I'm really into Zelda, I'm going to check out Brian Altano's review, because he's also very into Zelda. I don't care if he's objective or not, because I'm not going to be objective when I play it. Yeah. But on the same time, if I'm looking for someone who's never played a Zelda game or doesn't like Zelda games, I can find those reviews, too. Yep. There, to ask, answer his question specifically about, have there ever been something that you love so much that you're not objective about it? Yes, but I cannot tell you the examples because I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Like, there, there are plenty of games where I've gone in with biases and thoughts beforehand, and I love this series, so I want to love this game more. Yeah. But so is anyone who's going to buy that game. Yep. Like, they're going to know that, too. They're going to go, like, if you're buying Link's Awakening, there's a decent chance that you... You like Zelda yes. or you played this game or, yeah, yeah. You're not going in there like, you know, this game looks okay. I've never heard of this Zelda. Th- you don't have a Switch. You've not heard of Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Like, you know what you're getting into a little bit. So find the reviewer that matches your preferences for that thing. Yeah, I mean, you nail something I've talked about a lot on uh, all of our shows, and I think for pretty much all time, right? Like, what a great age we live in, where legitimately you can read reviews, sure, but then also listen to those people on podcasts and find out that, oh, well, I know that Lucy James likes the same kind of games I do, so if I see her talking about a game and she really likes it on Twitter even, I know that that might be up my alley more of what it is. Right. In the same way that Bliss is like, I know Brian loves Zelda. I love Zelda. I'd love to. I want to know what his thoughts are on this game. 
there's a there's a podcast I was listening to where like the guy when he, Gears of War four came out he loved it yeah and I really disliked that game yeah and it, then he didn't like Gears five and you're I was like, like oh maybe I'll like Gears yeah that was pretty, pretty <laughs> exactly much it. right because like the reasons he didn't like Gears five were the reasons I hated Gears four yeah so I'm thinking like okay I'll probably like that game better and I don't dislike him or I'm angry at him for that yeah it's just I know this is a guy I disagree with on this subject so. It's easy for me to get a sense of his opinion and my opinion from that. Yeah. And so that's where it gets interesting of, you know, we catch so much flack at, at Kind of Funny, right? Because we'll put up uh, reviews. We'll call it a GameCast review of whatever. And then people go in there and they're like, oh, they haven't even beat the game. Or they aren't putting a score on it. Or, you know, they're, they don't agree. And only one of them. It's like, that's how... We know uh, Even here, Bliss is like, with the reviews coming out for Link's Awakening, I looked up Brian's opinion, right? right. Like. Brian's opinion, granted, while not the IGN.com review, is his review of the game as you go through and talk. He might not be sitting there critiquing at every point, his pros and cons, his final score, but you're looking for a review, a user review of it, right? Right. And I feel that that gets thrown around so lightly that people don't think about that in terms of where that all shakes out. They don't think about how us reviewing is different than how an IGN reviews. And when I was at IGN, you know, they're talking about here, you know, any games in retrospect you feel you score too high because you love the series. No, I think it's going with the opposite, maybe. Like, you know, I think I might have... I, I think We talked about this in the stream. I think I might have pumped the brakes on Arkham Asylum a bit much because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I love Batman and I love DC and this is really good, but how does it net out with these other third-person action games and blah, 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 blah. I think Ghostbusters... Like, when Ghostbusters... When I reviewed Ghostbusters originally for IGN, right? Like, in 2010, when it, whenever it was. That was right. Kind of funny.com slash you're wrong. Uh... I feel like that's a, my 8.0 of, like, I guess the PC or console version because there's a whole bunch of different scores because I had to review them all. But I feel like that sums up that game to this day. And yeah. I think, again, like, I, w- I am the Ghostbusters guy. So, like, if I was working there and they put out a Ghostbusters game, yeah. ex- I am the guy you call. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's how it has to be. But I understand this weird thing. I remember when Infamous 2 came. Like, I loved Infamous 1, right? And I had written about how it helped me get through my divorce and how – when they put out the redesign of Cole, I flipped out on a podcast. It was like, <laughs> when that came, it was that thing of like, cool, I'm too close to this, I think. Nobody, I, I, I never want it to be that they're not going to listen to the review because I did it. You know what I mean? Like, I can give it up and let somebody else go do it. Did you like that redesign or dislike it? Oh, I hated it. Oh, thank God. I, weird fucking... I, it's not cool. It's like... No. It's fine. You had a character already. If you call him a different character, like, yeah. give him a different name, make a different story, that's fine. Yeah. But it's not cool. No, exactly. So I'm glad they changed it back. Me too. But, like, when people say, uh, not to put words in Bliss's mouth, but they're like, is this review objective? When I hear that, I don't, they think objective and fairness are the same thing. Mm, mm. Reviews can be biased and also fair. Like, I can love Zelda and go into a Zelda game with completely nothing besides, like, I'm going to give this game a fair shake. Yeah. But I I think people get those two things way too confused too often. Like, why would you have someone that doesn't like the genre? Because, like, I... There are people who don't like the genre that want to see what their what the response to that game is. Like also when you're talking about the difference between opinion and reviews. Yeah. If you if I were reviewing a game, it might be a different thought than my opinion on Twitter. A hundred percent. Because like like control is a good example. If you just saw my thoughts on Twitter, it would be like I kind of dislike that game because at the end of the real sour note. If I did a review, it'd probably be like maybe a seven. But if you ask me, like, where does Control rank in your game of the year list? It's probably like a two or three, honestly. Yeah, right, exactly. Because, like, overall, holistically, I love that game. Yeah. It's just there are parts of it that really made me mad. Yeah. So there are... That refrigerator. They're, they're, yeah, the, the founder... What was it? The, yeah, founder fight was that. Or I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Right, Former, sorry. that was it. Okay. But he, that was all the boss fights in that game really kind of suck. But 
I really also love that game, and my opinion of it is that you should play Control. Yeah. My review of it is Control has a lot of problems. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Exactly, that's a great way to put it. Because I think that is where it gets muddled all the time. But you can get it, right? You, what is worth more than to you? The, the I'm trying to be the critical analysis, and here's my well-thought-out review, or here are my tweets saying, that yeah, this game's great, and here's why I liked it. Right. Who knows? You have to decide. Ghostbusters 2009, by the way, from Nanobiologist. Of course, it's, all, it's only Nanobiologist. <laughs> He's cleaning up today. Uh, yeah, 10-year anniversary. Don't worry, October, everybody gets stoked. Uh, no multiplayer in the new Ghostbusters, so guess what? Easy Platinum Trophy. <laughs> when I say easy, I don't mean easy at all, actually. Very tedious, but it will be doable, unlike before I digress. Number three! NBC Universal is leaving the game publishing realm. This is Dean Takahashi over at GamesBeat. Comcast NBC Universal has decided to shut down its game publishing business a little more than 2.5 years after it expanded. Uh, the Hollywood company will stay in games by licensing its entertainment properties to external developers and publishers, but gone are the days where it would try to drive most of the key game decisions itself, GamesBeat has learned. The consequence of, the consequence of this decision is that an undisclosed number of people on the game publisher team will leave the company and it will reassign others. The reason for the shutdown isn't attributed to a business failure of the games, but rather because Universal has decided not to publish games anymore in favor of other priorities. Of the games that the company licensed recently, Jurassic World Evolution, published by Frontier, was a big hit, with more than 2 million copies sold. Other titles include included sorry, series Your Story Universe. That was the one where you, hit, you like, existed in the Saved by the Bell universe. There was a whole bunch of different ones you could, but you got you made a character who existed in the Saved by the Bell world. Okay. I played it. <laughs> Voltron, cubes of something about Voltron. I don't know. Olkanania. There you go, you Voltron dorks. Turok, escape from... I said, there you go, you dorks. Alcarion. Turok, escape from the Lost Valley. Jurassic World Alive with Ludia. Jurassic World VR Expedition. Jurassic World Blue, published by Sister Company, Universal Pictures, and Felix and Paul Studios. And Jurassic World <laughs> Revealed. Two games in the soft launch are... Two, two games in soft launch are Payday, Crime War, and Funko Pop Blitz. These games are expected to find new <coughs> external publishers. Uh, Universal is working on another unidentified AAA game in development with an external publisher. I'm going to be honest. I did not know NBC published video games. Now you did. I remember the Jurassic, the Jurassic World one on consoles and PC, the one where you're like building your own park. That actually, yeah, I remember a lot of people were into it when it launched. Yeah, I recall that, but like... If you didn't you re- realize that was coming from this deal? Yeah, if you asked me like who's publishing that Jurassic World video game, I'd be like, WB? I, uh-huh. Yeah, I had no idea they were doing that. It's, an- it's one of the, uh, yet another, I guess, example of, man... Video game publishing is a lot harder than we thought it was. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. 2.5 years later, we're just going to slowly back away. This wasn't the gangbusters investment we thought it would be. They do a lot of Jurassic World stuff that more or less does not rate in anyone's knowledge. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, not much of a news story there other than, <laughs> hey, video games are hard. Right? It's always fun to see those news stories of this thing existed. Did you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, no, I know. No. Okay, now it's gone. Cool. Great. Fine. All right, great. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. Uh, number four, PlayStation's got a 10-year vision for dreams. This is Steven Talby over at Push Square. It's no secret that Sony's Worldwide Studios boss, Shuhei Yoshida, has a soft spot for dreams. He's expressed his love of the ambitious game from Media Molecule many times over the years, but... In a new interview with PlayStation Asia, he calls it one of his favorite projects ever. It's a pretty bold statement from a man who's been at the, been at the platform holder for decades. Speaking of decades, Gregway, uh, <laughs> Yoshida went on to say that Sony has high hopes for Dreams. Quote, we have a 10-year vision for Dreams to keep growing with the community, he says. He goes on to discuss early access, which seems to be the first step on its journey. 
It's allowing creators to wrap their heads around the tool set, collaborate with each other to make cool things, and provide feedback to the development team. It's an interesting comment because the timing means that Sony envisions the project lasting through the PlayStation 5 and probably even beyond that. Obviously, the next-gen machine is backwards compatible, so Dreams will work on the console as a PlayStation 4 title, but could this long-term plan mean a PlayStation 5 port is in the cards as well? We certainly wouldn't count it out. Uh, then, Five Star Man writes into Patreon.com slash games and says, Hi, Greg and Imran. Shue Yoshida did an interview with PlayStation Asia where he said Dreams is one of his favorite projects of their 10-year vision. I know that Dreams is still in early access, but it feels like I haven't heard a thing about the game from PlayStation or anyone playing it since it went live. Have either of you spent any time with it, or do you know anyone who has? Is this just another example that there is an audience there, or is it just out of my wheelhouse? Do you think this 10-year vision could be true, and what would it include? I mean, they're at six years already. Only four more years to go. It's... That's that was the coldest thing you've ever said on this show. <laughs> Dreams has been gestating a long time, ladies were, and gentlemen. Were you at that PSX meeting when they first like re-revealed Dreams? Mm-hmm. Of like, it was like a backroom meeting where they're like, okay, the thing we've been working on has changed dramatically since we showed it. Yeah, because like the first time they showed it was like it was a, I don't, I don't remember if it was VR at the time, but it PS4. was like a, yeah, the PS4 thing where they did, they did the and move sculptors. thing and they were sculpting and they yeah. were moving the dancing people around. Yeah, and it's a very different game now, yeah. and. I'm. It's probably the best like game creation suite I've seen. Sure. For amateurs. Yeah. But how? What their long term? Like, I don't know what they plan to do with it long term. Is it because I know they're hiring people to make games internally as well? Do they plan to just keep releasing games and keep selling games that or keep selling dreams as a thing that way, or is it just release it then hope it keeps selling for the next four years? I love Media Molecule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I love the, how weird they are. They are, of all the first-party studios, right, they are still the studio that is most rooted in what PlayStation was when it was doing PS3. Right. And that was, hey, we're going to make weird, artsy shit. And we're gonna we're gonna make we, we're gonna finance games like this. We're gonna put out things. We're gonna have an exclusive every month. It, whatever happens, happens. Let's get out there and make things happen. Yeah, they're a prestige studio, and that was like awesome for Little Big Planet and Little Big Planet Two and everything they were doing there. And then it, Vita, let's make Tearaway awesome. And when Vita tanked, that's when PlayStation was really like, hold on the fuck, hold hold the fuck up. We gotta figure this out. Let's get everybody on track. Let's start. You know, let's focus. Let's double down. We're gonna be better with our portfolio, our exclusives. And meanwhile, Media Molecule kept working on Dreams mm. and kept going down that road. And I'm not saying like they weren't like getting checked in on. I'm sure PlayStation was like, okay, sure. And like where that game and studio are going to end up, I don't know. And it terrifies me because like I know how many people are over there, how many good people are over there, all this different stuff. But it's like Dreams is so nebulous. And it's been nebulous since the announcement. It's been nebulous since they no, there is a game here. Look, mm-hmm. and you're doing this. And it's like. Now it's in early access, and I, to your same point, Five Star Man, I rarely hear anyone talk about it. I have an email in my inbox from a kind of funny best friend who wants me to record VO for a game a whole bunch of best friends are working on. That's, like, all I've heard about it recently. Right. Like, when it first launched, hey, here are a bunch of cool levels. Somebody remade PT. Okay, whatever. But just crickets. And so I don't know what's going on in that thing. I don't know what PlayStation's expectations were. We do have a different PlayStation that isn't afraid to drop studios and make cuts. And so, like, it... I mean, for Shu to say he's got a 10-year vision for it does mean something to me. Because when Shu came in and was like, we see PlayStation VR as the launch of a new PlayStation platform. Like, you know, look at where we're at with PlayStation now as a brand, you know, celebrating the anniversary of PS1. And I remember being like, okay. I remember Vita. I remember Move. Let's see. And, like, PlayStation VR continues to go, and they do continue to put stuff into it. 
Will that be the case with Dreams? I don't know because my whole problem, Imran, is that I can just never see a Dreams TV commercial. What you know what I mean? Like, how would you ever put this on TV and try to get people to play it or buy it? Getting it, trying to convey that concept to the mainstream audience is one of the problems. Yeah. And the other problem is when you do convey it, or if you do your best and a couple of people do peel off and buy it, what's the modernization after that? Yeah. Like he says he has a ten year plan because we hear the words ten year plan from Blizzard and from PUBG Corp and all that. And we know what their monetization is because they plan to sell things. Sony does not. Yeah. Is Dreams going to sell PS4s, PS5s, PSVRs? And if it does, and like what numbers? So I'm, I'm curious what he means by this. Is it like, we know this is not going to make money. We just want to have this in our portfolio. So when people say, what does PlayStation stand for? We can point them to this. Like that makes total sense. Yeah. But is that enough to keep Media Molecule like, bigger and growing and honestly even the lights on at some point we've talked about it or on, on these shows before kind of funny products right of like if i was there and we were doing dreams and this was before we were leading into early access right it was this idea of somehow as a playstation plus title giving out dreams in some windowed fashion where you could just download you know, a certain amount of levels it comes with a bunch of levels something of that effect or, right. or games i guess and use it and then see how you wanted to get in maybe you just play through the single player campaign they're making that unlocks stuff in your world and you do it that way where we're at now with it already out and it already being there i feel like you launch playstation 5 it needs to be on the xmb at launch like mm-hmm. you turn it on it's there and like hey guess what you've bought a playstation 5 you have dreams you have literally the everlasting gobstopper of video games. It's all user created. You hop in, you can make your own, but like, just guess what? If you just came home and all you had money for was the PlayStation five, you also now have something to play every day because people are creating stuff all the time. I feel like it would have, it has to be that aggressive and Mm. that much like, Hey, when we talk about whatever PlayStation plus is for next generation, which you assume has some kind of PlayStation Now integration, some kind of weird Game Pass thing. Yeah. This is something you always have, and there's always going to be stuff. And we are making a point to, even if it was like the icon changed every week to a recommended level or game we're putting out or that we've chosen from a curated list. I'm getting way into the weeds, and I don't think they'd ever do that much. What is that like? What is the end goal for that then? To bang for your buck, right? (laughs) To get people in to do it. But yeah, it's what your point of like Little Big Planet, right? Monetized at least with costumes and stuff, right? right? You can get the DC character pack, you can get these different level pack, Uncharted. Yeah, what that does outside of cool, you have something to tinker with as a demo disc, I guess, in terms of what your PlayStation can do. I mean, like, again, as a portfolio builder, that's super cool. Yeah. And like, dreams as a thing of look what I can do. Like, if I want to get a job in the games industry, I have this thing sitting on my resume. Yeah. Like, that's super cool. I just don't understand, like, early access is a cool thing they're doing for Dreams. But when the end goal of early access is to have a campaign at the end of it, is there going to be a rush of people who were interested in Dreams, the creation suite, but only wanted to jump in as when it had a campaign? Yeah. Is that game going to, like, explode in sales then? Yeah. I don't understand. I don't think they know for sure what they want to do with it, just know this is an interesting thing that they want to get out there, and once they get out there, they're hoping people respond. Yeah. And I don't know what the... I don't know that's going to succeed. Yeah. No, I'm 100% with you, and it'll be interesting to see what happens, and yeah, if it ever leaves early access and what that looks like. And then to your point of people getting hired to make games in Dreams, cool, like, are you then promoting those games? Like, are, am I getting a trailer and a state of play for this game coming to Dreams? Yeah. Like, that'd be cool. That'd be interesting. That'd be, you know, if you could have it be that, like, yeah, we got Mike Bithell or Tim Schafer or whoever, but, like, a re- if you got, like, fucking uh, Ken Levine 
he made he made oversaw godfather a game in dreams right mm-hmm. and we're releasing on this date so you have to get early access for it. you have to buy the game if you want to play this thing like that'd be a really cool campaign that would inspire people to go buy it or honestly it's too late to do it now but what they should have done is a dream subscription service mm. for creators like this is the highest level creators these are the people who get most consistently voted up they get a cut of this the service, but we get the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that like that would be the way to monetize that game to get people interested in it, to get people coming back constantly because they will be getting guaranteed good content. Yeah, but it, they can't do that now because they've already launched it without that, and people re- would rebel a little bit. I that uh, there's many things I wish I could look into the future and find out, but the the what's going to happen with Dreams is definitely one of them. Like, I think I'm for sure interested. it'll be on PS5 though. I think they're not going to just go like, oh, end of generation. Well, it's done. Yeah, I feel like they put this much investment in it, right? Like right. They have to keep going. Number five and final on the Roper Report. Uh, according to Take Two, next-gen dev won't cost that much more. Uh, this is Brendan Sinclair at GamesIndustry.biz. Take Two is ready for next-gen. Speaking at the Goldman Sachs Communicopia conference today? <laughs> Get fucked, Goldman Sachs. Uh, Take Two CEO Strauss Zelnick told investors he doesn't expect next year's new systems from Sony and Microsoft to ramp up production costs in any significant way. Quote, we don't really expect material cost changes with next gener- with the generation, he said. Uh, Every time we have new technology, which allows us to do more, developers want to do more, and that can cost a bit more. But our current expectations are not that you'll see a, sc- a cost spike. The days of the... Si- uh, the scene curve, sign curve? What is it? Sign curve, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, waxing and waning in the interactive entertainment business around hardware cycles. Those are long gone. The transition from last gen to current gen was not taxing for us or for the industry. It's really the first time the industry's gone through one of these transitions without someone going bankrupt. Uh, well, I don't, look at the headlines. Uh, <laughs> the world has changed. When we consider a console release, the PC format can be 40% or 50% now of that revenue. Ten years ago, that number was 1% or 2%. Clearly, the world is changing. A previously closed system is indeed turning into an open system. That means hardware is going to look more like hardware and less like... It's going to look... That means hardware is going to look more like hardware and less like hardware taxing software, uh, which is great news for us. It's really easy for the guy who's head of the company that behind the single best-selling game of all time to talk about, like, oh, it's going to be super easy. Sure. (laughs) I, I would love it if, like, this does not cost materially more develop new games i don't think it's always true that way yeah like does that trickle down to the three-person studio yeah (laughs) they're not gonna cost them anymore like i'm more curious what sean murray has to say about what next gen costs than strauss zelnick yeah because strauss zelnick has the ability to throw more money at any given project that he wants but not everyone's gonna have that ability yeah well see i would I, I don't even know like if we will. Yeah. I mean, right? I know somebody's gonna have to be like, "Oh man, no, he's it costs a lot of money. This is really costing." But well, okay. So when we talk about new games costing money, I think one thing we saw the generation that we didn't see last generation. Last generation, if your game didn't look good, it wasn't gonna sell. Yeah. So games came out that were not triple A products, and that was what killed the double A. Was that they were not competing with like the top of the top. This generation it doesn't matter as much. Like, let's say Tales are. Tales of Berseria is a good example. That straight up looks like an early PS3 game, late PS2 game. Yeah. Sold okay, even though it was on PS4, because like we have an accepted range of what games can look like now. I think that won't that bottom a bit won't like raise too much, which is going to help people who are still want to make double A games in the future. Yeah. I think maybe that's what he's referring to, is that you can still make triple A games, but you can also go a lot lower than that if you want to, and the market will still accept it. Yeah. Hopefully. 
yeah, I think everybody's going to want the 8K textures and the reflective this, and that takes time and money to make everything look that good. Yeah, but like on the same time, speaking of 2K, Borderlands just came out. Borderlands is not the best looking game of all time. 100%. Man. Like, I wouldn't say it's the best looking game of this year. Sekiro came out this year. Sekiro's not a fantastic looking game either, like graphically speaking. Oh, yeah. But those g- games are doing well. Those games sold super well. So I think people are not, people do not necessarily need every game to be Red Dead Redemption 2. True. And I think. Thankfully, the market's kind of working its way back to that. I still want those horse balls shrinking, though. Mm. I mean, that should be in every game. That should have been in Sekiro. It should have been. What? No. Imran, I can't wait to see horse balls shrink again, but who knows when that game will come. If I needed something more immediate, say what game to the Grand Marshal Shop where I go. The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. It's Kevin's mom's birthday. Oh, it is Kevin's mom's birthday. Uh, Out today, police stories on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, and Mac. Devil May Cry 2 on Switch. (laughs) Overland on Switch and PC. I believe, by the way, if you didn't know, today's the uh, uh, Apple Arcade stuff, too. Yeah. I'm very excited. I woke up, refreshed my phone, wasn't there yet. I was like, fuck. Uh, very excited for all of it. So there's a lot of games that I... Uh, Overland is an Apple Arcade game. I'm 99% sure. It is. Thank you very much. Sinara Wild Hearts is on PlayStation 4 games. and Switch. This is Apple I, uh, iOS. Mm-hmm. Truck Driver is on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Uh, Musazoni, which I can never pronounce, is on PlayStation 4 and PC. That is also an Apple Arcade game. Uh, Paper Dolls Originals on Switch. Grid Autosport is on Switch. Inferno 2 is on Switch. Puzzle Quest, The Legend Returns is on Switch. Fuck yes. Lost Castle is on Switch. One-Way Ticket is on Switch. Mountain Peak Battle Mess is on 3DS. Neon Drive is on Switch. Soul Knight is on Switch. Resist Power Tower Defense is on PC. Forgetful Dictator is on PC. Uh, Crypto, Fall, Crypto Fall Investor Simulator is on PC and Mac. Azure Reflections. Uh, the vibrant side-scrolling bullet hell game uh, is on Steam today. The launch simultaneously brings new content to the Switch and PlayStation 4 versions, including a time boss rush mode and two additional bosses. Uh, Apple Arcade gets Shadow Puppet. The Shadow Puppet platformer projection is today. Uh, Cardpocalypse is on Apple and Epic today. Uh, what the Golf is on iOS devices through Apple Arcade today and uh, Epic Games on October 1st for 20 bucks. Uh, we are talking about that. Uh, Cappy's Grindstone will be on uh, Apple Arcade today. And then I, I doubled up on Sayonara Wild Hearts to remind you that it's a really cool-looking game that I've enjoyed playing, and I can't wait to play more of it. Uh, that's on Apple Arcade Switch. When you mispronounce the name of a pop agenda game, do you get yelled at? Well, uh, don't get me started. <laughs> so if you didn't know, yeah, Jen works on, uh, well, Pop Agenda is J- my wife's company, of course. Uh, one of their games they are doing is Mutazone. Yes. But, like, the problem is, like, literally, like, when they were coming, so they were on the Kind of Funny Game Showcase. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally met the developer, I had to, I was like, cool. I, this is no offense, but, like, you you have an American accent. How do I say your game? <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, my wife's French-Canadian. I can't tell if she's mispronouncing. She's, putting a, she's like, doing things. I don't know how to say it. I still can't say it right. <laughs> Right, because it's it's mutazone. mutazone. He, he actually said like he said to say it like say it like an Italian impression. I'm like I don't know if you can say that. Yeah, to me to say that. that sounds dangerous. I'm yeah, not exactly. Sure I don't know what that means. But mutazone is how I say it. I don't yeah. think that's right. But you know what? They should have come up with a, a name that was easier to pronounce. Mm-hmm. You call it mutants. You know what I mean? Mutant zoni. Mutants with a grandpa. It's yeah. easy. That's all you gotta do. I'm super excited about Sayonara Wild Hearts. I can't wait. I wasn't like I I played the game in a couple of preview events. I'm like, okay, this is cool. But then someone described it to me as res, but with pop music. I'm like, okay, yeah, now now I'm super into <laughs> You're it. You're like, now, nah, hold on a second. Now I'm all in. Like, res Kylie Ray Jepsen. 
Uh, and, and the iOS the 13 is out. Okay. I'm downloading and installing. Really? So I thought it was Jen yelling at I you. I would really like to play the new Cappy game before uh, Gamescast. I didn't that think it was, was going to be up until yesterday. 7 p.m. Yeah. tonight. Yeah. I love Cappy. <laughs> what was that number? I didn't think it was going to be up until 7 p.m. tonight. Or maybe I just misread something. I, they kept saying, I saw the 11 uh, 11 trending today, and I didn't understand uh, Batman. I don't mm, understand things, mm, though, but I'm an idiot. You know? Neither do I. Mm. Thank you. Uh, new dates for you. Fight and Rage is coming to Switch on uh, geez, September 26th and Xbox One September 27th. Uh, a Total War Saga Troy will release on Steam uh, 2020. Uh, Infinity will launch on Switch, PC, and Mac in Q1 2020. Sparklight, a kind of funny game showcase alum, will launch uh, November 14th on PC, Switch, Xbox, PlayStation 4. Beholder 2 is coming to PlayStation 4 on the 22nd of October 2019. Third Eye is coming out on Steam September 30th. Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 4 releases come Q4 2019. And then, Oi Governor, Mike Bithel's John Wick Hex is coming to PC and Mac on October 8th. It's over on the Epic Games Store. I played that at E3. It was fucking great. Me too. That's why I was like super bummed out when I was like, is this coming to console? He's like, Oi! It's sad it's going to die on uh, really dumb platforms, you know, PC and Mac. PC? Yeah. Are you talking about Epic? I can't tell if you're taking a shot at PC games or Epic games. <laughs> no, it's PC. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. No, I, totally. I, I, I don't have a fucking, uh, like, a, a a word to say about either Steam or Epic Games Store. Because you're playing console like a smart yeah, person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? Come on. There's only one store on P- uh, PlayStation. over there crying, oh, my Borderlands save got eaten by the cloud. Oh, I'm like, no. oh, you shouldn't have played over there, should you, you dork? <laughs> Knocked his taco out of his hand and walked away. <laughs> Deals of the day for you. Uh, Xbox Game Pass gave some console updates. Today, you're getting uh, Jump Force, Xbox One X Enhanced, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, Xbox One X Enhanced. I can't say it. September 26th, Bad North, Xbox One X Enhanced, Dirt Rally 2.0, Xbox One X Enhanced, and then Lego Worlds. Meanwhile, the free games over on the Epic Game Store are the three Arkham games yeah. Batman Ar- for Batman's 80th anniversary. Uh, the three Arkham games, and then the three Lego Batmans. Correct. Three of the four Arkham games, Origins yeah, getting or- shafted. I know. Rocksteady will not accept Origins as being part of their Arkham well, it, I don't. It's not even Rock, Rocksteady's day. It's WB. more WB's day. Yeah. You, might, you don't know. Maybe Rocksteady's thrown around their way. You know what I mean? You know what? Origins Fair. probably... One of my, I would say, top three Arkham games. There you go, smart man over here. Yeah, I again, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I could see the argument of it being the best story in the Arkham games. Yeah, Great definitely. Story. Great story. Uh, also, while we're here talking about this 80th anniversary of Batman, yeah. worth noting, there's rumors, there's percolating rumors out there Don't. that first the anniversary on Saturday. Yeah, there's doing the you know the bat signals all around the world. These yeah. games are happening, uh, or maybe just it's America. Batman Day at uh, AT and T Park. Oh, is that? I know. That yeah, they're li- they're giving like a like a baseball bat, but like uh, all Batman looking nah, at shit. I know. Uh, DC <laughs> Universe Online is doing something. SJ teased it on the thing. Something about a bat Ooh. signal as well. But Fortnite data miners went in there, right? And it seems like they found yeah. three different Batman stuff that's encrypted on there. Yeah, so like the, the Batarang, the Batclaw, and then there's something else. Well, the rumor skins too. Yeah, that would be Batman, Joker, and Batgirl. At cool. which point, you will get all of my money again, Epic, for a game I have not actively played since December. But There's also the, a couple of people from Arkham Origins, the voice actor, and a couple of developers have been teasing something. Roger Craig Smith? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. I, yes. I, no, yeah. If it's it Batman. If it's the Batman yeah, yeah, yeah. voice actor I believe so. All right, yes. cool. I, they've been teasing something. Huh. I don't know if it's a new game or a new project or an HD they're, they're, they're being cheeky. He, he was like, ah, I can't talk about this thing. 
uh, and it's definitely not a game. And then like known writers of uh, from WB Montreal responded to him, and like other like programmers and yeah. stuff. Am and I? Again, are, we, are we getting excited, Barrett? Because I'm starting to get excited the more you're talking about. It. Are we getting it? Uh, this I, is what I we talked know. about forever. Are, is WB Montreal working on a Batman? I think I, I think that question is definitely yes. When we get it, I, I don't know. Like I'm just tired. Just they'll what? announce it when they announce it when they want to announce it. I'm in the fucking Batman Arkham subreddits <laughs> all the time, and they've lit, lit themselves on fire at least fifty times this year. So uh, I like they're all speculating about Roger Craig Smith and like. What's Batman. he saying? I'm looking through his Twitter. I'm not seeing. Is that where he said it? Yeah, it was. Uh, it must have been earlier it might have been last week actually oh, okay. um yeah people are like speculating because of that and then they're like oh batman's gonna be in Fortnite. do we think it's a new game it's like no guys it's <laughs> just the 80th anniversary coming up settle the fuck down let's be patient it's coming i what was the rumor it was court of owls right yep. that yeah was the rumor because also wb montreal like people have been Tweeting out images of owls throughout the last like three years, and it's just I'm tired. I'm One so day you're gonna get a game, tired. Barrett. One day you'll get a game. I you'll want be... it so bad, Greg. One day, buddy. <laughs> One day. No, don't cry. It's okay. Don't cry. Uh, it's time for reader mail. You can write into Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny Games, where you can get the show ad-free. Speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by KindofFunny.com/slash Pax Tournament. Remember, the Pax Tournament is up there. You can see a whole bunch of people like Imran go up there and lose. Because lo- they're losers. Being second round did not help with the new game. I know someone had to be a sacrificial lamb. And yeah. also, Nick Chester is too good at everything. That's true. That's a problem. Really good looking, too, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really frustrating and also distracting. Agreed. Alan wrote in to patreon.com slash games just like you can. It says, uh, regarding the white phosphorus in Modern Warfare, a conversation you and Gary talked about right. a lot yesterday. While listening to the discussion yesterday, I couldn't help but wonder why the white phosphorus is specifically being addressed in this year's Call of Duty. Gary and Imran both kept saying it was in bad taste to have it in the game, but isn't the game in general one that can be classified as bad bad taste given the state of gun violence in this country and the world right now? I'm against guns in general in my life, but I enjoy these games. But to me, all of these weapons are bad. Is there something I'm missing, or is this one means of killing is worse... Or is that this one means of killing worse than the other means of killing? Appreciate the discussion either way. Saw a lot of feedback on this. Yeah. Not, and I don't mean feedback in terms of I'm, a lot of conversation about this, of e- audience going back and forth with each other. Uh, well, if white phosphorus is bad, what about nukes? Like, nukes are in there. We haven't had a problem with that. And this back and forth. I would reject the idea that we haven't had a problem with it. But nukes are a very abstract thing. Like, we have not really had a nuclear weapon used in war since for... 70 years now. White phosphorus is a lot more recent. It's a lot more recently classified as a war crime. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading John's article yesterday, I read the part about what specifically white phosphorus does, yeah. which is it adheres to your skin and burns you. Like, you can't just rub it off. Or, right. like, you can't put the fire out because the fire is inside your skin. Yeah, That's, It's a uniquely cruel way to do things. And it's maybe we should have said in the past, like, hey, this thing is bad, but we didn't. Because the games industry was a different place, society was right. a different place. I'm I can't speak to what I said or didn't say when I was seventeen, but I'm thirty something now and I'm saying this part sucks. And I they can remove it, they cannot remove it, they can do whatever they want, but as a community we should be allowed to talk about whether something we whether or not we want to draw a line morally at certain things. Sure. And 
we like video ga- our guns are sort of engraved in a video game culture at this point anyway and like yes killing is bad in all ways but suffering is something we could probably mitigate quite a bit and that's why i like i'll just personally disagree on like how like uh uh nukes are more abstract but because we still see a lot of people who dealt with those things still like the repercussions of that still to this day even though it was even though we're 70 years later or whatnot like you those are very like real things and so like i i do understand i understand the argument both ways of like the white phosphorus being a war crime and how more recent it, it has been but uh i don't think we should also diminish the fact of these other like um uh i, f- I forget what they call them in game but like the when you get a kill the streak, perks, yeah, 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 yeah the kill streak perks, perks and whatnot like not to mention i mean right there we're saying kill streak yeah exactly right like and, i mean yeah. like yeah like all of these other things are also terrifying and like yeah i'm not like i'm not one way of like ah we need them out of our games but I, like i i also do see the the horrifying kind of like not like glorification of it but just like acceptance of like this is what is in a game right now um i don't know it it's weird but uh, i mean they could have called yeah. that thing poison smoke if they wanted to it doesn't have a lot of the same properties as white phosphorus why they have to go why why do they have to go accurate with the thing that they've done so cartoonally mm. with nukes yeah like, it, people want to use the, why is a nuke not bad, but this is. Nuke is still bad. It's just that when you think about it, it's just such an absurd thing that, like, okay, well, this is not a realistic thing that happens. White phosphorus is a thing that people do use in actual war. And it shouldn't, like, it's a genuinely horrifying thing to think about. Yeah. That when they do use it in the game as a reward for something, like, okay, I'm sure... They have had this talk in Infinity Ward of, like, should we do this thing? And they decided to do it. And I'm just curious why they went ahead with that. Like, what was the answer that w- for them that was like, okay, this is actually will benefit our players? Correct me if I'm wrong. You're more up to date on the specifics of it. I remember when it first broke, the news that it was in there. It's not used in the burn your skin way, right? It is yeah. used in the way that it's like a cover of something. It's used as a cover, Close and if you smoke. like, if you touch it, it burns. Okay, okay. Or okay, like, okay, it does okay. damage to you. Okay, okay. So like, you could easily call that like poison smoke, and it would sure, be no yeah. big deal. The thing that I think to even take a step back from all of it is something that I've seen. Obviously, who would have thunk? Lost in internet discussion, right? In mm-hmm. message boards and responses to John's article and John on Twitter and stuff like that, is the idea that questioning something and talking about it and like for not to agree is okay right and you know you and you can also come away and be like i don't think it should be in the game i'm still excited to play the game i want to you know what i mean no one or you can be like i'm totally fine with it and i want to play the game or i don't care about it and i'm not gonna put like Mm -hmm. there doesn't need i don't think we always want everything because it's it would be nice to be binary and black and white yes no right wrong and i and it's that thing of when you have these conversations, you're allowed to, especially for something we were talking about like earlier about like if you really love something, right? And we all love video games, to sit there and have a real conversation. And actually, I think it's interesting to have the layer pulled back of like, wait, if we're upset about white, white phosphorus, why not nukes? Why not ARs? Why you know what I mean? Why yeah. not the guns that people are taking into schools and shooting kids with, or a movie theater, or just in general war? Why are we okay with shooting people in general and, be, and like actually not have like- those? Con- I mean, honestly, one of the things I struggle with as, like, a games journalist and someone who plays video games is that I don't like guns in real life. Love guns in games. Sure. They're yeah. super fun. I love, like, looking at them and playing with them and, like, totally. shooting things. But if you handed me a gun in real life, I'd be like, no, I want nothing to do of with course. this. And <laughs> there is a layer of abstraction there that I think people extend that to things like nukes and like white phosphorus. Yeah. 
that I don't. And those limits are going to be different for everybody. Uh-huh. And just because someone criticizes it doesn't mean the game is bad. Like Heather Alexander, the uh, she's a Kotaku staff writer. She was talking recently. She reviewed Greedfall, that Bioware yeah. style game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She had some problems with the way that game's social commentary, and she didn't think it went far enough, and it actually went like reversed itself at some, some points. And one of the things she was tweeting about, like, People were asking her, is it okay if they think, like, they like the game despite those things? And she said, it, I don't need to give you permission. Like what you like. And that's true. That's yeah. true for everything. Like, even if we're discussing this quite phosphorus thing, Modern Warfare is, Warfare is still going to be the best-selling game of the year. Yeah. It's, like, I'm probably still going to play it. I'm super excited for it. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I think the narrative they're doing for single-player with Taylor and the crew, like, I'm like, okay, I, it seems like it's going to... It's. I'm interested if they stick this landing, right? Because it seems like oh, we're doing, we're gonna be real, and it's gonna be like live leak, and you're like, all right, like, I, do I want to play that? Like, yeah. are you? Is it going to be handled the entire way through with that, you know, uh, uh, responsibility? And then right. I am excited for that two v two multiplayer mode. Yeah, that was fun as hell. Yeah, right. Like we we played that judges week, and like right. that was fantastic. Yeah, but I I'm I'm really interested in their ambition. Yeah. I just don't know if they're going to be able to hit it. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I want to talk about. As, if we didn't talk about any game that's not, gonna, or that's not out yet, then we'd never talk about anything. Yeah. And this is one of those things that they're at very least signaling incorrectly. But we'll see how it actually works out on purpose. But they just they didn't need to call it white phosphorus. That, it would have been such a simple fix. Then you would have been mad about that, Imran. Yeah. You're always mad about something. Would have been... in a. Insane about the inaccuracy, I guess. <laughs> uh, Nanobiology is going to close this out today with a question from Patreon.com slash kind of funny that I teased earlier. A zombie was found in Red Dead 2 online, leading many to suspect that Undead Nightmare 2 is on the way. Are you surprised? Undead Nightmare is hailed as an amazing DLC after all. But do you think this will be story-based content like the original, or will this just be implemented event in online? Rockstar uh, for GTA 5 threw away story DLC for more online content, and it seems to be having the same push for Red Dead 2. I haven't played much of Red Dead 2 yet. I'm interested to see how they will implement a zombie invasion in an online game. How do you guys think it'll be implemented? I would say probably, he probably has it right. It's probably online. Have you looked into this? I, the question was the first time I had heard of it. I hadn't seen the zombie or anything. All I saw today was that somebody was saying they've seen zombies in Red Dead Online, which does immediately make me think, yes, Undead Nightmare is probably coming in some form. To Red Dead Online is yeah. what I would imagine, yeah. But I doubt it's going to be the way people think because like, it will be Red Dead Online because I remember it was either Strauss Zelnick or the head of Rockstar saying, yeah, we made a mistake with the GTA 4 DLC. Mm. That mm. it took way too long and it took was like way too hard and way too expensive. And the amount of people who bought it was not nearly proportional to the people who bought the game. Yeah. So I, I would assume they've not like reversed that lesson as it gets more expensive to record and create these things. Like they're not going to make entirely new campaigns for the game and this would actually be honestly um this is something that if they were like hey guess not just a mode like hey it's 4v4 and go fight some zombies if there's like a story thing happening online with these zombies like undead nightmare i would turn on i would reinstall red dead 2 and go jump into it. zero syndicate in the chat uh makes a good point it's probably uh a tease for like a halloween event or something like oh that. yeah totally yeah yeah, 100 yeah, yeah. which it makes sense and like it would be it would be neat to channel what people liked about undead nightmare without the expensive part yeah. yeah, but I don't think they're gonna do the full Red Dead Two Undead Nightmare. It just it's too expensive, and people don't pay that. People once they pay their sixty bucks, they like to spend their money in increments. Yeah, they're not gonna spend another like campaign expansion, like at least not for the price Rockstar would want to charge. Because this goes back to the Nintendo discussion a little bit. Like a an Undead campaign, Undead Nightmare for yeah, yeah. Red Dead Redemption Two would be a sixty dollar affair. 
it would not be a $15, $20 affair. Because it would need to cost that much for the amount they'd have to do for it. Agreed. I'm, I'd go play it, though. I'll go yes. play it online. I'll go do If it's a whole-blown thing. I don't want it just to be like, hey, there's a one, one mode. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, go fight some zombies for, like, three minutes, and hey. then you're done. No, thank you. Not at all. Yeah, it's going to be the Overwatch-style stuff. Boys, it's time to squad up. This is where one of you viewers or listeners writes into patreon.com slash games. Give me your name, platform of choice, and why you need help in a video game. I already hear the best friends come and find you. Everybody plays games together. Today, John Paul, parentheses, sandwich boy. Needs help on Twitter. Sandwich Boy has nothing to do with anything else he writes, but I'm glad to know he's Sandwich Boy. Uh, he needs help on Twitter and Google Docs. He needs you to find him on Twitter.com at J-P-K-I-L Crease. C-R-E-A-S-E. J-P-K-I-L Crease. Uh, hey, best friends. This is a little bit of a weird squad up, so let me explain. I had the opportunity to attend a games journalism panel at PAX, and it was really helpful. Rebecca Valentine from GamesIndustry.biz was the moderator. I was and- on that panel. Well, he doesn't talk about you here, so I'm I know, sorry. Like, you, you, didn't, you didn't leave you're, an impression. You're shouting out Reb, but not me. That <laughs> sucks, dude. Sucks, sucks to be you, you know what I mean? Uh, Rebecca was the moderator. But one of the big things she recommended for people getting their feet wet in games writing was to connect with other writers for support and to help each other through bouncing ideas around, running drafts by each other, etc. So I thought I'd see if there were any other best friends doing this whole writing about games thing that wanted to team up. I've just barely started doing this part-time, and I don't completely know what I'm doing, but I'm passionate, and I'd love to help other writers figure this out, too. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, as I already said, J-P-K-I-L-C-R-E-A-S-E. Hit me up, and let's get writing. Yeah, I've been doing this for years. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah? Yeah, it helps it's, to have well, you don't, around. You don't know how to give good advice on a panel. Yeah, apparently Rev not. nailed it. You're over here. You're like, oh, you know what I think? I got a lot of laugh lines. Wear pink shirts. So apparently, like, people liked me. They just didn't like my advice. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, hey, you know what? <laughs> Trust me, you're getting people to laugh at you can go really far on this place. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's find people, put, put a thing on a subreddit, be like, hey, who wants to get involved in this sort of thing? Because that's how you start outlets and that's how you like freelance together. Now you're just stealing Rebecca's advice and trying to pass it off as your own because you said subreddit. I probably gave that advice to Rebecca first anyway. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, time for your wrong. It's where people watching live goes kind of funny.com slash you're wrong. Tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later. YouTube.com slash kind of funny games, roosterteeth.com, podcast services. Uh, really quick, oh, I don't have a lower third for you and Imran, and oh. Kevin was the one. So I want to I want to put it out because Imran is still like a, a newer host. So I just want to put out his lower third, but I don't have you, so I'm just gonna do, uh, do Andrea and Imran. Perfect. Works for me. <laughs> Andrea is dead, but not forgotten. So you are the busiest lady in the business. I am the busiest lady okay. in the business. Uh, BG two five eight zero says breaking news: Apex Legends season three meltdown is dropping October first. We'll get you the details then for tomorrow's show. That's uh, that's fun. Uh, uh, that doesn't help me do anything. Uh, Meta Knight King says Tales of Berseria actually did come out on PS3, but only in Japan. True. Uh, that's not a you're wrong. We missed a new date here, says Nanobiologist. Terminator Resistance will be released on November 15th in Europe and Australia. A North American release will happen on December 3rd. The game will be available on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I'm already kind of tired of Terminator stuff. Dun, 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 like, dun, dun. So many games already have it that I'm just like, all right, I don't need to see the movie. I'm good. Oh, yeah, with the Anthem thing, which... Oh, Anthem dropped an act-based roadmap? There's nothing really to say about that besides they've given up on Anthem. Have they? I, I think just, it's over? I suspect an- this this version of Anthem is over. I suspect they will probably a Realm Reborn it in a year or so. Oh, okay. But I don't think that they're going to spend too much time or money on it now. Gotcha. 
<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily for whatever the date is. I think it's the 19th, right? Kevin's mom's birthday. Uh, send at Kind of Funny Kevin wishes to his mom for a happy birthday. Say happy birthday, Kevin's mom. He'll show them to her on his phone, I assume. Uh, I don't really know. Can't verify that. Uh, Imran, where can people keep up with you? You can find me at, at Imran Z-O-M-G. I'm also streaming at apparently the same time Gary Witta is. <laughs> Fuck Gary. Twitch.tv slash Imran Z-O-M-G. I don't know what I'm playing yet today, but yesterday was Astral Chain. Oh. The day before that was Shenmue 2, and Ooh. I think we're rotating around. Okay. So, of yeah. course, Imran will be here doing the Kind of Funny Games cast with me, Fran, and Tim. Uh, that's going to be patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games this afternoon, 2 p.m. Probably. We're already running late today. We'll see. We'll get there, though. Don't worry about it. Uh, but until next time, it's been a pleasure to serve you.